Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Stranova, a bi-weekly audio business program exploring the intersection of cutting-edge business strategy and the innovations that can ignite business growth. As an entrepreneur with over 30 years experience leading high-tech organizations, I've constantly sought out new ideas that could take business to an entirely new level of performance. For Stranova, I've invited some of the most innovative business leaders out there and asked them to share their ideas with you. So sit back, listen, and consider what some of these new thoughts might mean to your business as we begin this week's episode of Stranova. One of the keys of innovation is finding the connections between two concepts that most people would never connect in the first place and then create something wonderful and new with the end result. For this episode of Stranova, the connection we're going to be exploring is between business and what is generally referred to as improv. For many of us, the word improv conjures up a world of stand-up comedy created in real time with suggestions perhaps thrown in from the audience, but it certainly doesn't seem relevant to the whole field of business. And while maybe it might be fun for a team building exercise, my guess is improv is pretty hard to take seriously as part of the skills you need in your day-to-day -day business environment, let alone in a strategic setting. And yet, on the other hand, at the risk of spoiling a bit of the story you're going to hear in the interview that follows, some of the keys to what makes improv work are also at the heart of what can make each of us more successful listeners and co-creators with our business team members. They include concepts we've heard over and over again, such as being fully present when in a meeting, where fully present means we are actively listening to and engaged with the issues being discussed. And then there are other concepts, such as first saying yes to a new idea to let it be considered properly in a genuinely open discussion. Still a bit skeptical? I maintain that the concepts you're going to hear about in the next few minutes are part of the key capabilities you absolutely must master, both to work together with the rest of your team most effectively and creatively to build new concepts and ideas together that will take your company to that next level of performance we talk about in every episode of Stranova. To get us all up to speed on these concepts, I've invited two life masters of the discipline of improv, Ann Swanberg and Chris Miller, the co-founders of LifePlace, which they created in 1999 to bring the transformative skills of connected improv to individuals, communities, and innovative workplaces. Some of their clients include Infineon Technologies, Google, Genentech, Onward Inc., the Kramer Institute, and Whole Foods Markets. And on the very day this podcast goes live for the first time, November 21, 2005, they are demonstrating their considerable skills in this area to the Moore School of Business's annual meeting of their Decision Science Institute. I invite you all to open your creative business minds and be fully present for the next half hour as we explore the world of improv and business with Chris and Ann at their home on the Northern California coast. And in keeping with the whole concept of improv, there was no formal preparation of questions in advance, and you're going to hear it live as the conversation happened. We hope you enjoy it. Well, we are here in the pleasant beachfront estate of Ann and Chris, and I wanted to thank both of you for joining us this week on Sternova. Yeah, you're welcome. You're thank welcome. you. Now, Chris and Ann, as we talked about a little bit in the introduction, have a business, I'm not sure if that's the exact term, called 
life plays, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Because of the nature of their business, since it is an improvisational thing, I originally explained the concept, which was that we would do a pre-interview, yeah, and That's agree right. on questions, and yes. that would help guide the interview. And and they said, no, we'll just record the pre-interview, and that's it. So you folks are hearing this as it happens. <laughs> so tell us about Life Plays. What is Life Plays, and what is it supposed to make happen? Life Plays. Well, it's you said it, it, it's it's based in the realm of improvisational theater, and we work with companies and individuals using the skills of improv for collaboration, for team building, for leadership, for conflict potential. We call it conflict potential. Yeah. Meaning there's always potential for conflict. There's ways to have something other than conflict happen. And normally most companies creating potential for conflict would not necessarily be right. something one would want to aspire right. to. Right, Except so, it's, but it's always there. And so there is potential within conflict. Right? There's always potential because you have these two ideas and that's energy and th when that comes together, if you allow that to actually, ah, how do I say this, to, to harness the, the desires, the, whatever the two points of view are, if you work with those, there's a very good chance you'll innovate and find something totally different that you was unexpected that you weren't looking for. Yeah. Usually when there's two opposing ideas, people get scared, myself included, mm -hmm. I mean whether it's in a personal context or at work. But we've discovered that that's actually an exciting moment. It's, I like to use the conception analogy or the X and Y chromosome. It's because there's a difference. Um, no, actually what I mean to say, what I mean to say is the sperm and the egg. That's how you create life, when there's two different realities. So um, we call it two realities. That, that moment, yeah. whether it's I want to paint the wall this color and he wants to paint it another color. We just stop and we say two realities. And we have discovered that actually that's when there's a potential for something greater than either one of us wants individually. So that's what we mean by conflict potential. There's potential in this state that we usually call conflict. If you don't go into it as opposing each other. If you go in cooperating and collaborating. Yeah. Which is what improv is all about. Improv is basically a skill set of how to work together with someone else at its core. That's, the, that's what it's about. It's not about being funny, clever, witty, fast. It's about how do you work with this other person? How do you create together effortlessly? And there's a skill set that you learn to do that with. Well, you actually raised a, an important point, I think, that helps with the, the, the listeners that, especially in the United States, when we hear the word improv, everybody thinks you're talking about stand-up comedy that's maybe done on the yeah. fly. Right. And this is a very different thing. This is about uh, living into the moment mm, right. exactly. with, with what's happening. Right, yeah. 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 It was great, that show on ABC, what was it, Whose Line Is It Anyway, sort of spread the, the term improv across the world. Millions right. of people know the term. And as you said, there are many different ways to improvise. And that was a comedic motivation. And, and our work is primarily to access the skills that improv gives you to live fully in the moment. And the, again, the word potential, there's potential in every moment. If we are willing to let life have us in that moment, there's right. something greater than any of us imagine. Yeah, to work with what is. Improv allows you to work with what is true to, to not don't deny reality 
you know, when you fight reality, you're going to lose every time. If something comes your way and it's right there in front of you, if you try to make it go away, if you try to ignore it, it's not going to because it's true and it's real. And improv is about how to work with what's real and what's true. You know, how do you, how do you take this thing that's, you, you might love it or you might hate it, but it's true. How do you work with it? How do you build on it? Which is exciting is why, if you've ever been to an improv show, people often in the audience, they're sure it's scripted. Like, oh, I'm sure this is scripted. Yeah. And it's simply because we're doing what Chris is talking about. Whatever is brought our way by another player, we take that and build it to move forward. And that's what we do in corporate work, is give people that same basic skill of improv, which we call yes and. The yes is accepting what is, and the and is moving it forward. So let me, let me come back to that then as a beginning point. Assuming you've gotten past that rather critical point of someone actually signing a contract and inviting you in instead of just knocking on the door from off the street, what is the way that you typically start to engage with an organization uh, to, to go through this process and maybe even walk through a little bit of what you do? Fairly often we do just like, like a half day, like a four hour workshop or something. And what it is, if it's leadership, uh, well, we'll forget the specifics, but we, we begin with just improv warm-up games. And what this is, this starts to get people in, a, in an atmosphere that's not business, it's not what they do, right? It's a whole different reality, right? So they can let go of trying to do things a certain way because there's an outcome attached to it, right? They can just play this game, do this exercise. And so what we do is we start doing these exercises that show people, oh, this is what it's like when we try this skill. This is what it's like when we yes and. This is, like, this is what happens when we suspend judgment. And so we practice this skill. And it's just, like I said, it's a bunch of it, it's theater games, it's uh, improv exercises. And then afterwards, we start to translate that into their work. You know, okay, what is, you know, whatever the particular issue is. If it's meetings that just are always deadlocked and stalemated, we go, okay, what, let's, let's role play a meeting now. And with, take the skills that you just did here and apply them here and see what that feels like. Chris and I began as improvisers and as teachers of improv. The segue into the business world came simply by yes-anding all of the feedback we get from teaching classes. People would say, oh, wow, I would love it if people at work were like this, or I would love it if this was our corporate culture. So we simply said, oh, okay, let's be willing to offer this to the, quote, corporate world. You know, at first I was like, ooh, the corporate world, as if it's some world that's different than the world of theater. And, and they would say, it's just people. It's all people and like it's us. all the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, in taking the, the term yes and, again, I know a bit more about what you're, you're talking about. Uh, for the purposes of the, the listening audience, contrast this with the typical corporate environment. Somebody presents a new idea. Mm -hmm. And it's usually quickly followed by either a explain more or no but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or or yes but, but yeah. which is even the more damning one, which is yeah. you've said, uh, I think it's an interesting idea, but, but here's 12 reasons why we can't. Right. And the whole improv idea really hinges on, from what you've said, a, a central core concept, which is whatever anyone brings to the table is something that the other one should build on mm -hmm. and and take unequivocally mm. as a starting point. Right. So when you talk about two realities, this is a case mm -hmm. where 
you're building a joint reality out of all this yes and mm -hmm. is really what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are many reasons to do that in terms of personally, people feel valued and they're more willing to share their ideas. You know, if you hear three, three or four yeah buts, pretty soon every idea that comes into your head, either the ideas will stop coming to your head or you'll just stop putting them out there so people miss what you have to offer. Yeah, and you have another shut down employee. You've lost a, a valuable creative resource. Right. And also when you do start yes-anding ideas, you end up finding things that you would not have found just on their own. They, they're contingent upon, be, or it's necessary to have built upon this first idea, go this step, this step, this step, this step, and then all of a sudden you find something it's like, oh, no, that's an interesting way to look at this. And you wouldn't have arrived there any other way except that to, to build on this one first idea that you thought was you know, possibly bad or wrong or you know, whatever, the, whatever the adjective around it is. Yeah, it's like the bottom line is there's a, a culture of being open yeah. rather than closed. That's what yes and translates into my life literally as a way of being open now. One thing you know, to clarify that the yes and the yes and doesn't mean yes we're going to do this. It means yes I accept this as an idea, Let, let's look at it, build on it, see where it goes. Right? It's not this tacit, like everyone, any idea is like, yeah, let's do that. Right? It's just explore, it's an exploration and a valuing of it as something to work with and to look at. And there's always something you can yes. I mean, if somebody walks up to you enraged and you can't even listen to their text because you're hearing the emotional body, I mean, it's just, if you can just breathe and say, oh, I, I can hear you're really angry. I mean, just to be able to yes someone's yeah. reality is so connective and is the beginning of forming a bridge and then you can talk about the text and what it, right. what's causing the, quote, problem. Well, let me tr try something on. Is it, you know, In the area of business creativity, there is a school of thought that, Edward de Bono actually helped mm. develop in the, the yeah. uh, Six Thinking Hats and all that. And one of the concepts was to put on, I think it's the green hat, the one that's basically saying, I'm going to build on, I'm going to grow something on whatever it is mm -hmm. that you just suggested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do you see what you are doing is different than, than that kind of lateral thinking exercise when you're working with, with people? We don't just sort of try this on. Uh, it's we practice this as a way of being. It's it might look like, like some of the same skills, like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know build on everything that comes my way, and what we do is we actually practice it in a environment called improv that has nothing to do with the actual business. See, we don't ask people to go in immediately and go okay try this in business. It's like cause, well I mean I guess you could, but it's it's a practicable skill set. So people practice it in the improv. And they get the body experience of what it feels like when they yes and. They get the experience of what it feels like when they don't judge. And they see the results. You know, they see the results in how they feel, how their partner feels, and what they generate. Right? And so what we're basically doing is showing people this is what it feels like in your body when you do this. Yeah, that's the primary difference. You know, I, there's a lot of slideshows out there and presentations right. of people with concepts that, that are totally kinship, kindred concepts to ours. What excites me is I want the people to have the experience of behaving in a new way, of being able yeah. to make new choices, not talk about it, 
but actually get up there. That's what makes it scary. I mean, the word improv, like you said, scares people because they think funny. The glorious truth is it's, it's actually is a little bit scary the way we practice it, not because you need to be funny, but because we're asking you to experience this, to walk this talk. You know, anyone can yeah. read a book and have hours of discussion about what it's like to be acutely cooperative with yourself and another human being. But to, to get up with a group of coworkers and be willing to, to do a set of activities that will put your system in a new state and actually have light bulbs go off, you know, uh, and the opportunity to practice changing a behavior yeah. and going, wow, yeah, I was scared to get up there, but wow, that feels really good. Say, for example, um, in improv, there's a term called driving, which is where someone just sort of takes over the whole scene. You know, doesn't like to delegate. I'm just going to do everything. And the other person is just a passive, what we call passenger. So we have an, an exercise called gibberish demonstrator where you really get to, to see what your habit is. Like, wow, I really like to be in control. I think I have to do it all. Yeah, or the other person might be, oh, I'd love to just follow. I have no responsibility. I'll just watch that person and do what they do and not, not, take, not, not initiate anything. Yeah, I won't say anything in the meeting. Yeah. You get to see your habitual pattern, and we let them do that to the, to the max. And how does that feel? It feels familiar. And then switch roles. And have the driver actually, wow, this is what it feels like to be a passenger. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. And then we give them the glorious opportunity to be equals. Equal. Yeah. And they do the same exercise with the task to see how equal can you be with your partner. So that our listeners can catch up a little bit on the passenger status they've had for the last <laughs> first half of the show. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. with Chris Miller and Ann Swanberg to continue the discussion about life plays. As I'm thinking about this whole process, I've been in way too many meetings where you come in in your own slightly altered state, and I don't mean that in a positive way, in that you are set up for a meeting format and people are going to do presentations and many people aren't particularly present, so your thing about being present is very yeah. real, as well as you are firmly set up for a series of yes buts in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I can see why this would make a, a major difference to getting engaged with, with a company. I was wondering if you could tell some stories of how this might have actually worked in, in your engagement with various companies and, and some of the successes that you may have seen. When we, with, the, with the CIDA Foundation, City Yoga, um, big organization, and we worked with most of their upper, I guess, upper management, and they were already doing other other ways of communicating. They were doing nonviolent, working with NVC, nonviolent communication, and they just found 
that the work, the, just the yes and atmosphere. They, they just they, all they took away the, the big takeaway was yes and, and so they they just said they used that in meetings, as they, they would actually specifically say it before the meetings. Like okay, let's make sure we yes and. They overtly said the words to, to keep it alive, and I just heard it just opened up. Just ideas came out in terms of how they run their organization because that's what their main focus was in these meetings. Ideas came up that they hadn't thought of, and that's what I heard from them. Changing a corporate culture, you know, we use that big term, and what is that other than each of each of us miraculous individuals one at a time? And we did a team building with a, a major um, market chain. And I ask, I like to ask what the takeaways are, like a week or two later, like what really stuck. And the woman who was the manager of the team said for herself, she had a story of one of the things we teach is to trust your, trust yourself, like trust your first impulse, which is also an improv. If you've ever been to an improv show, we, we might call out to the audience, you know, what's your favorite color? And people will have their first response, but then they might... Because of judgment, we go to our second or third. Or try to be funny or something. Or try to be funny. So just <clears throat> letting ourselves trust our, our innate impulse, our first, we call it trust your first answer. She had a job promotion opportunity shortly after we did the team build with them. She walked into a room of 16 people were interviewing her. And one of the questions was, which I think is a great question, what, what's your greatest failure? You know, which could be a threatening, under an old corporate paradigm, you're not supposed to fail, we talk about success. And she said she just took a breath and she remembered the trust your first offer, your first impulse, your first offer. And her greatest failure that came to her was about, had to do with a, a job that she did not get. But, you know, so, so she didn't get a job at some point. And, she, you know, her judgment brain or her doubting brain had a split second to say, well, I can't tell that story. But then she remembered she was going to trust her for first impulse. And she proceeded to tell that story. And she said that the depth of presence and authenticity that she experienced by that mere fact of trusting her first offer set the stage for the rest of the interview. She was able to be herself. I'm curious about your response to what is a very popular business book out right now and wondering about the connections to your work. Uh, that book is Blink that Malcolm Gladwell just published, uh, I think about four or five months ago. You know, I, I love the cover. The cover on that book is just, it's so good. I actually the, did. The I did read that book. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to me, it just, it was a beautiful affirmation that research shows that you know, these improv things like trust your first offer, um, trust your gut impulse. Um, yeah, we proceeded to do that. What did you get out of that book? <laughs> An opportunity to ask you guys one more question. <laughs> um, well, it, to me, what I was hearing from you both was that part of this whole idea is after being fully present, you have more of a capacity than you might normally have yeah. mm -hmm. to have a gut reaction that's authentic. Yes, right. which is exactly like in Blink, that opening story about the museum, you know, the authenticity of some, I can't remember the oh, details. Oh, the painting. The, was it the, a painting? Or the sculpture that was fake. Yeah, that's and, right, sculpture yeah, was fake. Was and fake, so, yeah. yeah, they spent thousands of dollars doing all these high-tech 
tests on this painting, but they had those experts who just would walk in. And they knew. And they just simply said, it didn't feel right. I can't remember the quotes, but they're beautiful quotes affirming this example I gave, the most recent example about the manager who trusted her first impulse. You know, they just knew. It's how finely tuned that shows that our innate intelligence is, right. that we can, in our gut, if you have an affinity, whatever your affinity is, these experts had an affinity for museum paintings, and, and they just could resonate, and they knew the truth of it or not. Well, and if you take it one step further, there's a, a new theory. Uh, Jeff Hawkins, the person who founded Palm, has oh, a yeah. book called On Intelligence. Yeah. And in On Intelligence, one of the things that he describes is that he believes fundamentally the way that the brain works is that it is a memory map. And that hmm. when you sense something, you are sensing spatial information and temporal information about something. So every sense we have works that way. And mm. your mental map gives you a field that you can make predictions from. Mm. Mm. It's basically you have an elaborate memory bank yeah. and you predict things. Example, one of the examples I remember from the book that he gave was when someone is trying to catch a ball. They can't precisely know that moment from any time before. But statistics and analysis have shown that people respond faster than their brain could ever possibly oh, process right. the, the concept of detecting the ball coming in and moving their hand in place. Oh. Yeah. So what they're doing is that they predict in advance, based on past memory, what they need to be doing yeah. to get present. Yeah. So if I look at this and I flow it back into what you're doing in the case of improv, that if, if you can develop the skill in individuals that they are fully present, they can sense into what that memory map mm -hmm. is teaching them. Again, I'm combining a couple of different things right, here, right. but part of the way your gut works when it works well is it doesn't overanalyze. Well, that's what I say. It, 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 it's really living from your body. We, we put so much emphasis on the brain. And like I said, the, the brain, you know, if you try to look, okay, the ball is coming at about five feet up, it looks like, you know, your brain can't process it that quickly. In your body, you know. Right, and it's tuning in and, and trusting that. You're trusting the body mind. Trusting the, the body, body mind. mind. Yeah, you know, we have this the separation, and I talk about. It. I always tell people in classes, okay, brow down. We're working here from the brow down. Forget your brain; it's wonderful. We don't need it right here, right now. You know, trust this other stuff, because there's, there's huge knowledge. There's huge knowledge in there that we just usually discount. Yeah, and the, and the other thing that can happen in large corporate setting is something that I've observed in. Just as you will change the names to protect the innocent, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing. But I've been in areas where you have the equivalent of the emperor's new clothes thing. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where people just listen and listen and listen, and they don't, they don't challenge when they need to. Yeah. Because yeah. they've processed through the repercussions of all that, and we need to set up an environment where everybody can be free to be able to be open and authentic about what their thinking and their, their their thoughts, and you actually end up with a much better business result. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're describing, in, in improv terms, passenger, a co you know, the passenger, the passivity that's bred, and we miss out right. on all this innate intelligence, and ultimately taking one step, a leap from the, the mind map and the baseball analogy, is being willing to operate at the speed of intuition. Right. I'm thinking of synchronicity and I find that the more present I've become I'm my batting average is pretty good at being fully present besides being an amazingly enlivening way to live my life moment by moment the synchronicity is a daily culture for me 
as people listen and may be interested in perhaps connecting with you, maybe even bringing you into their company, is there a way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, we have a website, lifeplays.com, L-I-F-E-P-L-A-Y-S.com. And we also have a telephone number, 650-712-1306. But since these are podcasts, I'll bet the website is the best way to go. So yeah, lifeplays.com. Then in addition to that, they are located in Half Moon Bay area. They're actually located in El Granada, but they said nobody knows where that is. So <laughs> they're in Half Moon Bay, which is very close to San Francisco and would love to hear from you either through me or directly through their own website and their emails that are on there. Yeah. Uh, Chris and Ann, thanks very much for joining us on Stranofa this time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, Thank you fun. so much. Well, speaking of guts, if I understand my audience well enough, my gut is that even though this may have been interesting and as a result of listening to this podcast, perhaps you've looked at some of your organization's own bad habits and communications practices in a new light, and maybe even considered contacting Ann and Chris to bring them in for some training, you're still thinking of this as one of those skills that is helpful but not necessarily essential. And that might be true for you, and you, and you. But before you jump to that conclusion, I suggest you consider how often you go to meetings, even critically important ones where major new ideas need to be thoughtfully considered. And it seems that many of the audience are, at best, concentrating more on what their next criticisms are going to be rather than on how to truly build on the thoughts that are being shared right now. And then also consider how using even just a few of the thoughts you've heard here today might bring everyone together as more present to engage creatively as a team rather than reactively as a set of instant critics. And as for trusting our gut instincts, as author Malcolm Gladwell described so persuasively in his current business bestseller Blink, wouldn't some of the skills of being fully in tune with all the possibilities and knowledge around you that improv brings to the table maybe enable you to be all the more likely to use that gut that you spent all those years training far more effectively? So go on, take a chance, and see if improv might make a difference for you in your business and in your life. That's my reflection this week, and thanks for listening. For further information on the topics discussed in this episode of Stranova, please visit us at our website, www.stranova.com. And remember to check out the current program and resources pages. Also, if you have any comments on this week's show or suggestions for future shows, contact us by email at ideas at stranova.com. In addition, you can also call our Stranova comment line at 408-849-4394. We plan to sample some of these messages for a future podcast segment of Stranova in the future. This recording is copyright 2005 by Brad Redderson. And this is Brad Redderson thanking all of you for joining us this week on Stranova.